Vishnupad Paramhamsa Paribiraj Vishaja Ashtosala Sishimad AC Bhaktivaranta Swami Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Anantakota Vaishnavrindaki Jai All glories to the assembled devotees All glories to the assembled devotees Hare Krishna All glories to the assembled devotees Hare Krishna All glories all glories to Shishu Guru and Gauranga All glories to Srila Prabhupada Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Vajjana Timarandasya Janajana Shalakaya Chakshurun Mitsam Jaina Tasmai Shri Guruvei Namaha I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Shri Chaitanya Manovistam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Tadatit Swapadantikam When will Srila Rupaka Swami Prabhupada who has Established within this material world the mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya. Give me shelter under his lotus feet. Vancha kalpa tarubhyascha kripa sindhubhyavacha patitanam pavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo namo namaha. I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone. And they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhunityananda Shri Vaitagadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda. 
I offer my respectful obeisances unto Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Nityananda, Sri Advaita, Gadadhar Pandit, Sri Vastakur, and all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Today is Wednesday, May 13th, 2020, and we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Creation, Chapter 6, Conversation Between Narada and Vyasadeva, Text 17. Premati Bhara Nirbhina Pula Kango Tinirvrita Ananda Samplavelino Napashyamu Bhayam Mune Brahma, love, atibara, excessive, nirbina, especially distinguished, pulaka, feelings of happiness, anga, different bodily parts, atinivrita, being fully overwhelmed, ananda, ecstasy, samplave, in the ocean of, lina, absorbed in, Na, not, apashyam, could see, ubhyam, both, mune, ovyasadev. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. Ovyasadev, at that time being exceedingly overpowered by feelings of happiness, every part of my body became separately enlivened. Being absorbed in an ocean of ecstasy, I could not see in both myself and the Lord. Purport. Spiritual feelings of happiness and intense ecstasies have no mundane comparison. Therefore, it is very difficult to give expression to such feelings. We can just have a glimpse of such ecstasy in the words of Sri Narada Muni. Each and every part of the body or senses has its particular function. After seeing the Lord, all the senses become fully awakened to render service unto the Lord, because in the liberated state, the senses are fully efficient in serving the Lord. As such, in that transcendental ecstasy, it so happened that the senses became separately enlivened to serve the Lord. This being so, Narada Muni lost himself in seeing both himself and the Lord simultaneously. So today's verse talks about transcendental love. So that's what we'll discuss today is transcendental love and how to achieve it. This is a very confidential topic um, of, you know, transcendental love of Krishna. I actually don't feel very qualified to discuss this topic because it's said that one should only discuss um, topics of spiritual knowledge to the level of their own realization and I obviously do not have the realization of transcendental love of Krishna. So I'll do my best to lay out this topic as I've understood it. And um, I guess discuss it to my own level of qualification. So in this verse, we see that Narada Muni has been gifted to see Krishna, God, the Supreme Being. And he becomes overwhelmed with happiness and becomes enlivened. This is our goal. This is what we are wanting to achieve when we practice Krishna consciousness. Our goal is to see Krishna and to please him. And when we reach that state, we do become so overwhelmed with joy and ecstasy and love that we 
you know, it says here that Narada Muni couldn't even see both himself and the Lord simultaneously. But that's how transcendental love is. It engages, as Prabhupada says in the purport, engages every single one of our senses. Um, and it's almost like, from the description here, it's almost like each sense falls in love with Krishna. So, you know, our sense of smell, our sense of taste, our sense of vision, our sense of hearing, our mind, intelligence, every single part of our body or being falls in love with Krishna. And that is our goal. And it sounds like an absolutely wonderful goal. And as Prabhupada says here, there's no comparison. So even if we look at love here, you know, love, um, there's different types of love. And um, there's romantic love, there's um, friendship, you know, parental. Um, so there's different types of love. And when we feel love for each other, we feel some of these things. We can understand there's a small amount of things. Like if I think about my love for my mom, I have some understanding of what that means. You know, I love her no matter what. But also in this material world, especially with I don't know, maybe maybe it's just between mothers and daughters, maybe it's just between me and my mom, that that love is intertwined with guilt and, you know, feelings of um, inadequacy, feelings of, uh, you know, like, I should do this, kind of sometimes there's annoyance, irritation. So it's not just, like, all love. There's all these other feelings that get combined with it. So it's hard to... to Imagine this kind of love that's being described in this in these couple of verses. In Bhagavad Gita twelve twenty, Krishna says, "Those who follow this imperishable path of devotional service and who completely engage themselves with faith, making me the supreme goal, are very very dear to me." So Krishna once again reiterates that he is the supreme goal. And once we get there, um, that we will get there. There's no doubt about that. As long as we follow this path of devotional service and engage ourselves with faith. So the idea is we need to gain that faith. And in Bhagavad Gita 18.54, Krishna goes on to say, One who is thus transcendentally situated at once realizes the Supreme Brahman and becomes fully joyful. They never lament or desire to have anything. They are equally disposed toward every living entity. In that state, they attain pure devotional service unto me. So that that's our goal, right? To love Krishna, to become Krishna's eternal servant, because that is who we are. That's our original position is that we love Krishna and we serve Krishna with every fiber of our being. And we become joyful in doing so because that is also our constitutional position is to be joyful, full of love. Um, and within that, we're self-satisfied. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Antia Lila Chapter 14, text 15. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, Such is the state of transcendental madness. When one is highly elevated in love with Krishna, they become transcendentally mad and talk like a mad person. So how do we achieve this transcendental love? In 
Chaitanya Char- Charitamrita Madhya Lila 23, um, text 14 and 15. Lord Chaitanya says, In the beginning there must be faith. Then one becomes interested in associating with pure devotees. Thereafter, one is initiated by the spiritual master and executes the regulative principles under his orders. Thus, one is freed from all unwanted habits and becomes firmly fixed in devotional service. Thereafter, one develops taste and attachment. This is the way of sadhana bhakti, the execution of devotional service according to the regulative principles. Gradually, emotions intensify, and finally, there is an awakening of love. This is the gradual development of love of Godhead for the devotee interested in Krishna consciousness. So once again, we hear this word faith. It all starts with faith. We have to have faith in Krishna, that there is one, that there is a higher power, and that higher power is God or Krishna. And we start from there. And from there, we associate with devotees, meet our, you know, our spiritual master, come under the guidance of a spiritual master, and follow the regular principles. And then there's performance of devotional service. And part of that devotional service is you know, chanting uh, the Maha Mantra. We chant Japa every single day. The Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, so which is Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And we take a vow to chant chant the mantra, the Maha Mantra, a certain amount of times every single day to help us develop this um, feelings of love. So that's part of performing devotional service. And as we continue to perform these devotional services, follow the regulative principles, associate with devotees, we start to decrease our attachments to material desires, material possessions, um, unwanted attachments. And we start to develop some steadiness in our devotional service. And as we develop steadiness, we start to develop taste and attachment. So, one through seven, all this, these steps, the, these are the nine stages of bhakti yoga, faith, associating with devotees, performance of devotional service, decreasing of unwanted attachments, steadiness, taste, and attachment. They're um, called sadhana bhakti, devotional service according to regulative principles. And we have these rules and regulations to follow because we don't have or we don't realize our love for Krishna. And we have to get to the point where we realize that we are servants of Krishna and we actually have pure love for Krishna. So we want to bring that pure love out. And we do that by following these these first seven steps of bhakti yoga. And of course, the most important is chanting um, the holy names every single day and also doing other types of devotional service under the guidance of our spiritual master. And as it says here, you know, when we do that, it starts to cleanse our heart. We start to get a higher taste. And those things that attracted us initially don't attract us anymore. And on a mundane level, I think I've given this example before, but there are times, there was a time when I really, really, really loved, like, white bread. And, you know, it's not so good for you. It's highly processed, turns 
directly into sugar. It has no nutritional value. Um, and so slowly I started to develop, you know, eat more vegetables. If I needed to eat bread, I would eat whole grain, you know, the Ezekiel bread. Sometimes I call it the cardboard bread. But after a while of eating that way, I started to really enjoy it. And one day I was stuck at an airport and I had um, the only vegetarian food I could find was um, Auntie Anne's pretzels, which is like used to be one of my favorite things. So I bought it. And I swear, I had a bite of it, and I thought it was the most disgusting thing I've ever tasted. And I used to love it. And it's because I started to develop a higher taste for healthier foods, foods that are actually nourishing and good for you. So in that same way, as we continue to chant and engage ourselves in devotional service, we tend to gain a higher taste um, to where material attractions aren't as attractive to us anymore. Um, and that happens slowly with time. It, you know, it requires us to stay steady and consistent in our practices. And the idea is we follow this until we have love, bhava, preliminary stage of pure love of Godhead, which then leads to prema, which is pure love for Krishna. And these are spontaneous emotions. You can't regulate these. You can't, you know, mechanically um, feel love. Um, so therefore, when we do things like our devotional service, we should do them mindfully, right? Thinking about what we're doing when, you know, when you dress the deities, we're thinking about pleasing um, the deities with uh, how we're dressing them. Will it pre- please them? Is it too much? Is it too little? You know, so the thought is, in pleasing um, who we're serving. So from that kind of regulated mechanical process, we can start to develop love. And love is spontaneous. You can't, like I said, you can't regulate it. It doesn't come from just doing these regulated principles. It has to come with intention. We have to have that as our goal. If you, you know, if you just want to chant mechanically like a parrot, you know, I have a parrot and, and fortunately he doesn't chant. He just screams. Um, but, you know, he, if he started to, if I taught him how to chant and he started chanting, it still wouldn't be the same because he's not developing love. He's just mechanically chant, saying words that he's hearing. He's repeating it. So the idea is we're not just repeating words, we're not just saying words, we're trying to feel that love for Krishna, get back to who we originally are, um, which is, you know, eternal beings full of knowledge and bliss that are servants of Krishna. In Bhagavad Gita 4.10, Krishna says, Being freed from attachment, fear and anger, being fully absorbed in me, taking refuge in me, many, many persons in the past become purified by knowledge of me. Thus, they all attain transcendental love for me. So we can attain transcendental love um, by becoming purified by knowledge of Krishna. So we want to learn all that we can about Krishna. And when we're looking at how we learn um, what level of, you know, what stage of devo- devotion um, are we in, what is our Type, we have three types of devotees. We have the Kanishta Adhikari, who's neophyte, who's received the Harinam mantra, that, you know, 
the holy name, Hare Krishna, from their spiritual master and were trying to chant the holy name of Krishna. So many of us fall into this category of Kanishta Adhikari. We're working on furthering our own um, devotional practice, you know, working on engaging our um, our senses in serving Krishna and increasing our faith. In Srimad Bhagavatam 11 to 47, it says, A person who is faithfully engaged in the worship of the deity in the temple, but who does not know how to behave toward devotees or people in general, is a Kanishta Adhikari. So here it's, you know, uh, uh, um, reiterating the fact that a Kanishta Adhikari is neophyte. They're working on um, building that love for Krishna within themselves, but they may not be so expert on engaging other people in Krishna consciousness. They may not be really expert in, in talking to other people um, and dealing with other people. So um, this is, like I said, this is where a lot of us are. And then we progress to what's called Madhya Madhikari. This is the midway point. This person has received spiritual initiation from the spiritual master and is fully engaged by their spiritual master in transcending loving service of the Lord. In Srimad Bhagavatam 11.2.46, it says, Devotees who worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead as the highest object of love, makes friends with the Lord's devotees, is merciful to the ignorant, and avoids those who are envious by nature, is a Madhya Madhikari. So here, Madhya Madhikari is someone who is actually making friends with other devotees, reaching out, being merciful to those that may not know about Krishna. Um working on not just their own spiritual progress, but helping others also on their path of um, progress to Krishna consciousness. And they avoid those that who um, is envious of Krishna or envious of the Lord, does not want to hear about Krishna, who's, you know, who wants to remain in ignorance. And so they're able to make that distinction at some point between this person is is interested and favorable and wanting to learn more, and this person is not interested, and they're envious. And if we discuss Krishna with them, it'll actually create some more envy or hate in their heart, so we don't want to do that. And then finally, we have the level of Uttam, Uttama Adhikari. And this person is very advanced in devotional service, not interested in blaspheming others, you know, speaking ill of others. Their heart is completely clean. They've attained the realized state of unalloyed Krishna consciousness. Srimad Bhagavatam 11 to 45 describes this person as the most advanced devotee, sees within everything the soul of all souls, the supreme personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna. Consequently, they see everything in relation to the Supreme Lord and understands that everything that exists is eternally situated within the Lord. In 11.247, Srimad Bhagavatam, it said, Even while engaging their senses in contact with their objects, one who sees this whole world as the energy of Lord Vishnu is neither repelled nor elated. That person is indeed the greatest among devotees. So, someone who is an Uttamadikari sees everything in relation to Krishna, to 
God, to the supreme. They don't see anything as separate from being a, from Krishna. Even things that material um, objects, material senses, they see how it can be used in service of Krishna, and they don't make a distinction of this person's favorable, this person's not favorable. They see everybody as devotees of Krishna. They are... Um, equanimical to everybody. So last week we were talking about one of the biggest values that Sri Prahlad Maharaj had was that he was he didn't distinguish between friend and enemy. He thought of everybody as being a friend. And that's basically one of the big characteristics of Uttama Adhikari, right? They see everybody as servants of Krishna, so there's no concept of enemy. Everybody's working towards the same goal. Everybody's uh, serving the same master. So there is no question of this person is good, this person is bad. It's more of a question of where they are and their progress. And in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Madhya Lila, chapter 23, text 18 and 19, in the description of someone who's reached the phase of uh, Uttama Adhikari, it says... When the seed of ecstatic emotion for Krishna fructifies, the following nine symptoms manifest in one's behavior. Forgiveness, concern that time should not be wasted, detachment, absence of false prestige, hope, eagerness, a taste for chanting the holy name of the Lord, attachment to descriptions of the transcendental qualities of the Lord, and affection for those places where the Lord resides that is, a temple or a holy place like Vrindavan. These are called anubhava, subordinate signs of ecstatic emotion. They are visible in a person whose heart, the seed of love of God, has begun to fructify. So the nine symptoms are forgiveness. Um, uttama, an uttama adhikari, an advanced devotee, they forgive any, you know, any wrongdoing that's done against them. They don't even see it as wrongdoings. They just, you know, they understand that people are uh, on their own path and they'll make mistakes and those mistakes can be towards their, them. Um, but still, the advanced devotee does not take offense and, you know, is willing to forgive for any kind of offense that's given. They're very mindful of time utilized in service to Krishna. They don't want to waste any time. They they realize the value of time and they endeavor to use every moment in service of Krishna and thinking about Krishna and engaging with Krishna and remembering Krishna. And doing so, they become detached to material objects. There's no false prestige. There's no false sense of, like, I am so great, um, you know, that false ego, they give that up. So these first four have been kind of more of like a, um, I don't want to say negative qualities, but it's the things that they don't have. So the next five are more of what they do have, which is hope. And hope is so powerful. Hope can mean the difference between um, wanting to live and not wanting to live. Yesterday I was discussing suicide, and sometimes the the mentality behind suicide is not necessarily, you know, long-standing depression. Sometimes it can happen with um, 
a situation such as what's going on now with the coronavirus and everybody's in lockdown and everybody's financially struggling, sometimes people can feel so overwhelmed and lack of hope may take, you know, lead them to um, take their lives. But someone who has hope that realizes that things will get better, that this happens for a reason, they, they're able to um, surpass this time period. They realize this too shall pass. So hope is really important in, in our faith and in engaging in Krishna consciousness. You know, we have hope that in doing so that, you know, things will get better. Krishna will protect us. We actually also have faith that he will do so. Eagerness. There's this enthusiasm for doing service, um, eager to serve others and to serve Krishna. Taste for chanting the holy name. You know, they're constantly chanting the holy name and they, you know, are looking forward to chanting and they, they love it, right? We talked about that um, sadhana bhakti leads to this taste and eagerness to, to serve. And if we look at some of our great examples, you know, we have Sri Haridas Thakur, um, who chanted, I don't know, thousands of verses, I mean, thousands of Mahamantras every single day, pretty much chanted for, I don't know, 22 of 24 hours of his day um, to get his prescribed number of uh, mantras chanted during the day. And, you know, barely ate, barely slept, and just engaged in chanting. And that's all he wanted to do. There was no desire to do anything else. Attachment to talking about Krishna. Um, and this is, we can see that, you know, um, as I've said before, whenever I get together with uh, my devotee friends, you know, we may start talking about mundane things that are happening, but somehow or another, the discussion always leads to Krishna and how... Krishna is helping us through any kind of tough time or, you know, what's happening with us or just leads to stories about Krishna. Um, so we can see that, you know, just by sharing uh, stories about Krishna, we become more attached to him and we become attached to talking about Krishna. Affection for those places where the Lord resides. And this includes the temple. This includes Kalachanji Dham. It doesn't have to be you know, the holy places in India like Vrindavan and Mayapur. And that's good, too, if we have attachment for those places and we're there. But it's also, or affection for those places. But it's also good to have affection for our home temple. Um, Radha Kalachanji are so beautiful and merciful. And the temple here, you know, when you're in the temple room, you feel this sense of love and and, you know, high energy. The vibes here are really good. And, um you know, we, we have affection for it. I mean, so many of us are feeling this separation from just even coming to the temple as, you know, in this lockdown period where the temple is closed and, um, you know, I'm grateful that I'm one of the few people that gets to come with some sort of regularity to see the deities. But, you know, I was thinking, man, when we get down, done with lockdown, I feel like I want to come every single day just to take darshan, um, which I used to do when I was working. I would always, you know, when I was on my way to work, just drop by. But um, since I've been uh, doing my own thing, figuring out my own way, setting up my own practice, 
You know, I've not been so great about coming every single day. And I was thinking, man, I just want to come every single day just to take darshan. Even if it's just for five minutes, just come to see Radhakalachanji because, you know, this time of not being able to come has really, like, shown me the importance um, of having that freedom to do so. It's like, you know, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. And that's kind of what I'm feeling right now, like this... Um, affection for Kalachanji Dam has increased so much in this time of separation. So how do we go from being a neophyte devotee to pure devotee with transcendental love? Well, it comes down to the nine processes of devotional service. Hearing about Krishna, chanting about Krishna, transcendental name, form, qualities, pastimes, etc. Remembering Krishna, serving Krishna. Offering Krishna respectful worship in his deity form. Offering prayers to Krishna. Becoming Krishna's direct servant. Considering Krishna one's best friend. Surrendering everything to Krishna by serving him with body, mind, and words. So one of the, the biggest things I want to emphasize is reading. You know, when we read, we learn more about Krishna and we become more attached to him and we learn how to serve him. You know, the Bhagavad Gita is basically a handbook on sadhana bhakti regulative principles. In chapter 12, Krishna lays out exactly how to surrender. He says, fix your mind on me, worship me always. Um, control your various senses, become equally disposed to everyone, engage in the warfare, welfare of all. Um, give up your all of your activities and do them for me. Be devoted to me. Engage in devotional service, always meditating upon me. And if you can't, then follow the regular principles of bhakti yoga. So, you know, we want to spontaneously have this love of Krishna and think about him all the time. But if we can't, Krishna says here, okay, well, just follow the regular principles, you know. And if you can't follow the regular principles, just try to work for me. This means being sympathetic to the propagation of Krishna consciousness, you know, trying to help with maybe financially, with doing some service. And if you're unable to work in this consciousness of Krishna, then try to act giving up all results of your work and try to be self-situated. So you can do charity in the mode of goodness, sacrifice in the mode of goodness, austerity in the mode of goodness. The idea is, you know, at least you're doing something that's... um, on the platform of goodness. And if you cannot take to this practice, then engage yourself in the cultivation of knowledge. And then better than knowledge, Krishna says, better than knowledge, however, is meditation, and better than meditation is renunciation of the fruits of action. For by such renunciation, one can attain peace of mind. In the purport of Bhagavad Gita 12.12, Prabhupada says, In summary, to reach the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the highest goal, there are two processes. One process is by gradual development, and the other process is direct. Devotional service in Krishna consciousness is the direct method, and the other method involves renouncing the fruits of one's activities. Then one can come to the stage of knowledge, and then to the stage of meditation, and then to the stage of understanding the Supersoul. And then to the stage of supreme personality of Godhead. 
So one may take either the step-by-step process or the direct path. The direct process is not possible for everyone. Therefore, the indirect process is also good. It is, however, to be understood that the indirect process is not recommended for Arjuna because he was already at the stage of loving devotional service to the Supreme Lord. It is for others who are not at this stage. For them, the gradual process of renunciation, knowledge, meditation, and realization of the Supersoul and Brahman should be followed. But as far as Bhagavad Gita is concerned, it is the direct method that is stressed. Everyone is advised to take to the direct method and surrender unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna. So this direct path involves chanting, reading, associating, honoring prasadam, you know, in once again emphasizing reading, Srimad Bhagavatam describes the qualities, pastimes, and forms of Krishna. The Krishna book describes Krishna's pastimes. The Chaitanya Charitamrita, teachings of Lord Chaitanya, nectar of instruction, nectar of devotion, these all describe the process of devotion and how to achieve it. So, you know, we want to engage in reading every single day because this will help us on our path of direct devotional service. You know, we can bypass this indirect step-by-step and enter that place in the ladder where, you know, we're um, doing sadhana bhakti, you know, regulative uh, principles, following the regulative principles of bhakti yoga to engage in that spontaneous love with Krishna. Another thing that I will um, just mention here real quick is that associating with devotees is also really important. And I know it feels like in this time of lockdown where we, you know, can't um, really hang out or gather, there's still some amazing associations that are happening. And I know for me personally, like some of these I would never have taken part in had we still had the temple open. There's... um so many senior Vaishnavas, senior disciples of Prabhupada that are making themselves available via Zoom and giving class. You know, Giraj Swami um, constantly ups. I get this email that constantly updates on when he's giving class and what time and how to log in. And it's, you know, almost two or three times a week or more sometimes that he's uh, engaging in Zoom activities. I know that uh, Radnath Maharaj is doing the same. But for me, one of the things that I really relished is that I was, I'm beginning to hear from some senior disciples of Prabhupada that I would have never heard from had this not happened. They may nev- not have made themselves available via Zoom the way they are. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I realize that so many of these um, people that I've been listening to have had stuff, you know, lectures of theirs recorded and available on YouTube and other sites and other sources. And yet I never thought to go and listen to them until they engaged in this live platform that I could tune in live in real time and hear them speak. And it's funny because in doing so, I realized that that's great hearing them live, but then I have to go back and listen again because there's so much nectar that's being given and I'm learning, you know, so many different ways of looking at things um, when you hear from so many different um, 
devotees, you hear their realizations and what they've gone through and what they've brought to Krishna consciousness. And so you hear it from a different perspective, and it's amazing, right? So I'm listening to this one lecture, um, and it was I was listening live, and I realized that as soon as I was done listening to it, I had to go back because there were so many different points that she had given that was so, like, it really caught my interest, and I just had to hear it again to make that connection, um, you know, and pause and let it kind of marinate. And so, like, I think an hour lecture um, takes me about three hours to get through just because I'm, like, rewinding it and listening, you know, to different, like, the verbiage that the person uses or what they're saying and engaging with that. So it's been really wonderful. And then combined with reading, it's like what I'm reading um, becomes more alive, right? It becomes more tangible because I'm hearing examples, I'm seeing examples, and then I'm reading about these same stories or different, the same concepts of Krishna consciousness, of developing love for Krishna, and it all kind of comes together for me um, even more. So I would emphasize reading and then try to join some of these online sanghas if you haven't been doing so already. So with that, I will end and... Um, uh, take my leave. All right. Narantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai.